listening to a Called Collective podcast, where we seek to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. The Called Collective produces multiple podcasts, which you can find in the description below. To learn more about The Called Collective, visit our website at thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at The Called Collective. Good days. Welcome to the Good Days Podcast with Eddie and Charlie. Good days. Really good days. That's awesome. We've, hey, got, a, we've, got, we've got a guest with us. Yes, we today, do. Which is pretty exciting. The thing would about you, our you, guest, okay. though, is she's a huge Michigan fan. No, I'm not. Yes. <laughs> Whatever. I couldn't name one single player on any Michigan I, team. I love that you just jumped in and said, no, I'm not. <laughs> Back in high school, you always wore Michigan. Really? <laughs> Probably dating somebody who likes me. He's just hoping. He was just like, you know, throwing out those vibes because he's such a big Michigan fan. Well, we had a great football weekend. Indiana Wesleyan University, the IW Wildcats. That's right. Versus Taylor University. Oh, oh, okay. I'm sorry. East Grant County Community College. Whoa. (laughs) Sorry, are you Taylor grads? We love you. We love you. We love all the Taylor grads. Great school. Wonderful. Just not Iowa Six football. Six and O, man. Six and O. Right. IW rolling. So IW wins. Then Michigan is dominating Minnesota. Then the next day on Sunday, the Detroit Lions are, are leading you, their division. They're you're probably excited one. because they're actually legit. Yes. And then the Colts win. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. It's good. It's good football weekend. But Amy here. Well, we uh, got, you got to actually introduce our guest. So we have a very special guest. Very special guest. Uh, the pastor, right, Reverend <laughs> Amy Beagle. Hello, Amy, Amy Beagle's in the house, folks. Beagle. Yes. There we go. Thank you. You got to throw in the maiden name. <laughs> so uh, Amy is a pastor. She's a, a licensed counselor. Oh, she's been around cool. the block. She knows what she's doing. And I announced her high school basketball games. Yes, he did. What? <laughs> Back in the day, you yes. were the announcer. Yes, she was part of the Twin Towers. Oh, yes, because nice. I am 5'11", and a teammate was six foot, and so he called us the, the Twin, Twin Towers. Towers. Yes. That's amazing. <laughs> why not? Yeah. Well, you can't really do it now. There is plenty to why not now. But Just back at, at, at Lakeview? Yes. yes. Lakeview Christian, Christian School. School. Mm-hmm. So Amy's with us today, getting ready to hang out a little bit and uh, catch up on some good days on the Good Days yeah. podcast, but talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yes. Season three theme, once again, is the good, the bad, and the ugly. We do want to talk about, like, you know, just ministry failures and things of that nature and what we've learned from them. Amy, help us real quick. Like, what are your degrees? Because Charlie's introduced you. You're an ordained minister of the Wesleyan Church and you're a counselor. So tell us a little bit about your degrees real quick. Yeah, I actually graduated from Indiana Wesleyan with my undergrad in psych and social work, went on to get my master's in social work, and then on to get uh, licensed. And so I did counseling for 15 years. Wow, that's um, great. Primarily with teenagers and their families. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I got older, I think all my clients got older, and so I ended up doing some marriage counseling, mm. some just work with women. But my my favorite group to work with was teenagers. Mm-hmm. And so that was my primary focus um, for most of those 15 years. And you taught at uh, Huntington College, right? I did. Yes. I taught there for three years. I taught in their psych and social work department. I had been teaching in their master's program in the summers for probably five years when an mm. undergrad position opened. 
and um, I didn't even apply for it, but Dr. Jerry Davis, who is was back here at Indiana Wesleyan when I was at Indiana Wesleyan, yes. he actually said, um, you're going to apply for this job. <laughs> and so I did and loved that. Wow. Loved being on the college campus How for How many years, years have you been uh, full-time in pastoral ministry then? Um, working on my ninth year. So, and you amazing. oversee, you're an executive pastor. Correct. So yeah. I oversee staff and I oversee details. I don't do a lot with the budget or finances. I pretty much said if you, I could probably do that, but I would be stressed out all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I work with people in the ministry details, um, oversee kind of like anything in the general, um, what's happening on the Sunday worship mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. Or Doc, there was a rumor from a, another guest that, uh, that Amy was on this trip. We were on a, a missions trip to Chicago and that the van I was driving ran 30 stoplights. Oh, yeah. We might have stopped counting at 30. No, I don't see it wasn't <laughs> now, that many. So you can verify this. As a parent. No, no, this is not just a rumor. This is fact. Okay. I have a sophomore in high school now. And to think that she might be riding around with her youth pastor, flying <laughs> through red lights causes me to pray harder and more fervently Whatever. for all those, all those youth retreats. Yeah, I want God to work, but also please, Lord, protect them. But people got saved, right? <laughs> yeah, it got saved, but it might hey, be messy. The one time we hit the back of that car, that was not my fault, though. You have to admit that we did hit the back of the car. You, are you serious? Yes. But it wasn't. We I don't in the church van. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so when we hit the back of the car and went up like in this side street in Chicago, we were stopped, and I went forward, and then this car came flying through. And, and it wasn't our fault. In the category of good, bad, and the ugly, we're putting this in the bad category. <laughs> yeah. yeah. this, this is not the good days. It wasn't this, our this, fault. These are bad days. Not now that I'm a parent, it's not. It's really bad days. In the day, it would have been good. Yeah. When I was the high schooler, it would have been good days then. Right, right. I don't. But, you know, it helped your prayer life when Charlie was driving. It might yeah. have been three or four because of yellow or or. No, st- uh-uh. It Whatever. was definitely in the 30s. In the 30s. <laughs> yes. Did, did, yes. Right. Was there like a series of vans? I mean, were there were there multiple vans this following? Or this, just, just on the this one? trip, just this just one, one leadership trip. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. yeah. Those are good days scared in Chicago, us, though. Scared right? a lot of us right into ministry. That's right. <laughs> oh, there are a lot of us <laughs> in ministry. Right? We prayed so hard. We're yeah. all in full-time. A lot of us are in full-time ministry. Isn't that, isn't that great, though? Yeah. When you think about that. When you think about back to that leadership retreat in Chicago and you think about the people in that van mm-hmm. and what they're doing today and that many of them are in ministry, mm-hmm. what, that's that's a great mm-hmm. legacy and story. Oh, yeah. Know. yeah. I would need a picture to count it, but on that particular trip, the majority of us mm-hmm. have been or are in full-time ministry. Mm-hmm. What I remember, this, maybe you should tell the story, but we're... Uh, uh, you know, we're mixing things up and we we were going overseas and, and then doing like stateside stuff. And one time I, I would press Ryan Brenson into singing, you know, because we'd have to do things. And next <laughs> thing you know, we were in this situation and this time where we went to this place called Victory Outreach mm-hmm. and we're working with them. Right. And all of a sudden it's like, hey, you're going to do ministry tonight at this women's shelter. No, it was a block party. Oh, block party. Yeah, the oh. story we're going to tell is the block party. So we've passed out flyers all day. Yes. And they're coming to this neighborhood block party, and there's like a stage, and there's live music, and there's food. That's right. Do you remember this? Yes, yes, Neighborhood yes. people are coming. And so you say, they've got some people to give their testimony, but we need a student also to give their testimony. And I don't know if it was like, the way I remember it, it was like, Amy will do it. I don't know if that's how it went or if I, I just that, raised my hand. But I think you were volunteered. Or you're volunteered. <laughs> yeah. Volunteered. I was something. 
So anyhow, I remember I was like, okay, you know, I'll give my testimony. That's great. I, I remember the first person that got up to speak um, and gave their testimony. They were just fresh out of jail, had like committed all these crimes mm-hmm. and got to transform their life in this amazing, miraculous mm-hmm. way. And so I'm like, wow, this is awesome. I think they were in, you know, had sold drugs and had violent crimes. And we're like, wow, God did an amazing work. Next person, a lady was a former prostitute. She's up there sharing. I don't remember what the third person said because in the third person spoke, I was in panic mode, running into Charlie. And I'm like, what am I going to talk about? I don't even know what to talk about. I've never had alcohol. I've never had any drugs. I've never been a prostitution. I've never had sex. I just remember straight up saying to him, I don't know. What am I going to say that God did in my life? But this was actually super transformative. And he, I've told him this story multiple times. And he said to me, all these people out here listening, they've met a lot of people doing drugs. They've met a lot of prostitutes. You might have the most vital story to be told today mm. because they might have never met mm-hmm. somebody who grew up in a Christian home and has known Jesus from their whole mm-hmm. life and, and got saved before they had to do yes. all these things. And my parents are first-generation Christians. Like, up my family tree, I don't have a big legacy of people who followed the Lord. It is my parents became mm-hmm. Christians at a church service when I was six months old. So wow. I grew up with parents who were like on fire, reading their Bible all the time, taking us to church. But that's all I knew. But it was just fresh six months. And so I realize now over and over like that it everybody, your story is the transformative story. Don't ever doubt when God wants yes. you to tell your story. Because for somebody listening, that might be the transformative story. But I just remember the panic inside of me thinking, yeah. well, I, I was literally thinking, I have to make something up. What am I going to make up for my testimony? <laughs> he goes, you, you tell, tell your, your story. story. Yeah, you yeah. tell your story. It'll be it'll be the most memorable today. And it was. It was great. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I don't remember what I said. <laughs> don't remember. Did that give you confidence, though? To, oh, yeah. To stand up and go, okay, I've remembered it since then. I've remembered it for yeah. all these years. And I've told so many people that. Like when they're gonna be baptized or whatever, you just tell your story. Tell your you can't you can't tell your whole story between you and God right now in this moment, but tell something that's really mm-hmm. real mm-hmm. that sticks out to you because that will be what the authentic version of your story with God great. is what will make a difference. You know, I, I think for people listening, because our listeners are are people in youth ministry. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, you know, you're in the middle of it. I mean, you're buried in it and you're wondering. Is anything that I'm doing or saying, will it matter to anybody in their life? I mean, how many times do you feel that in youth ministry? And there'll be days if you stay in it long and if you just stay committed that you'll get to do a podcast, you know, (laughs) with the kid in the youth group. Right. Who remembers something wise you said. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it was at the game on Saturday night. uh, IW was at Taylor. And I ran into a bunch. I ran into, like, Michelle Inyard. You know, I'm sorry her last Taylor. name. Yeah, Michelle but Taylor. Uh-huh. But in, I mean, and, and people coming up. Her son's up, on the team now. Her yeah. son's on the wow. team, and mm-hmm. people are coming up. It's like I got a uh, a text from three students in the last couple days because they saw a Facebook post. Aww. Kevin Newell hit me up. It's like, hey, I know. Out of the, wow. I've not talked to Kevin in Decades. 30 years. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, hey, I just want to tell you. It's like, it Aww. does come back around because this whole podcast, when we originally did it three years ago, mm-hmm. it was based on this principle that God's word does not return void. Right. And actually, based on what we're going to talk about, I have something that God spoke to me about, about how we only get to see a part of the story. Mm-hmm. So I'll let you guys take over. No, but I have, let's go back to that because I think that's such an important part mm-hmm. of being healthy mm-hmm. in ministry. Yep. So as we dig into this, we want to talk about 
how do you deal emotionally after you've been in a part of something? Maybe you're in a season or maybe you just did an event mm-hmm. or you are at a camp and you just don't think it went well. Mm. And now it's over, but it's not over because now emotionally you're dealing with it. Mm-hmm. So if you want to put on your counselor hat and then maybe your executive pastor hat, mm-hmm. if you would help us as all the listeners yeah, and, and counsel us like, okay, so the event just took place or the season's been rough mm-hmm. and it's just lingering in our heart and soul. How do we help people not linger on the bad yeah. or even the ugly? Yeah. Well, I think in the, I think in the executive pastor role, we have to, you know, it doesn't matter what your title is. You have to be willing at the end of events or even a Sunday service or a weekly service to be able to, like, honestly evaluate some mm-hmm. pros and cons mm-hmm. and just be be um, be determined that you're going to pursue excellence, which tells yourself, I'm always going to find something that could be a little more excellent. Mm-hmm. And so it's not a it's not about criticizing myself or criticizing my team or what we've done. It's about celebrating what went right. And then mm-hmm. could it be a little bit better, though? Right. Is there any way that it could be just a, just a, like a notch more effective or a notch more receptive to certain How can we groups improve? of people? Right. Mm-hmm. And just like making that your habit, that that is always your habit. So that way it doesn't feel like, oh, we're only going to do it on the events that just didn't quite feel right. No, we're just doing it all the time. Yes. So then it doesn't and, feel and, like and, critical. And I think part of it is if it's routine, there's a time and space to be brutally honest. Yeah. To go, what? went wrong or mm-hmm. what can we do better and what did we do well? Because I think evaluation, some of us at times when we are vulnerable, we don't like evaluation, but it's good for us. We know it's good for us to go, mm-hmm. okay, how do we grow and how do we improve? And the only way to do that is to evaluate and to have other people give feedback right. on that as well. We can't live in this isolation or this island and we're not getting feedback. We're only, as leaders, we're only as good in making decisions as the quality of feedback we're receiving. And so in this routine of evaluation, it's such an important process for a church and for a pastor to be a part of. Mm-hmm. So I've got this random question as we're thinking about you today. Like, personalities are so different. Mm-hmm. So in, in ministry, can there be a personality that really feels this and takes it too aggressively to heart? And a personality, which kind of is mine almost, and I think it's yours too, Doc, where it's like whatever and you just move on and you forget it and you don't learn your lessons. Mm. So as as you think about counseling and personalities and mm-hmm. how do people handle hurt or mm-hmm. discouragement differently based on their personality? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think... I think it's personality. I think it's age. I think it's a mixture of all of those things. Because your same personality, how you re- how you handled stuff in your twenties, probably is very different than how you handle mm-hmm. it now. Experience. So when you're fresh into youth ministry or you're fresh into ministry in general, I think like there's this this expectation that you've got it all figured out and that you shouldn't have to be teachable because you should have already been taught and all of these things spiritually should be solid at all the time, never having a season where it's a little bit more quiet between you and God, or just have to always be up and right and correct and all of the things. So I think age has a lot to do with that too. And then your personality can make that more dramatic or it can soften that a little bit. Because I think I think you get far enough along, most people, hopefully, with enough with enough experience that you start to look around and you're like, 
they're still a learner. They're still in a learner's yeah. posture. They're still learning. And, you know, I'll, I'll never forget um, John and Patty Bray are some of my good friends and mentors. And I'll never forget one time, first time she ever heard me preach. She said, would you like some feedback? <laughs> and I was having Starbucks with her. And I said, yeah, that'd be great. And she said, okay, let me go to my car and get my notes for you. And I was like, oh, shoot, she's going out to her car to get a legal pad of things she wants to tell me. Uh-huh. You know, She has she has definite points for me. <laughs> she was ready for this moment. Yes. And so she's telling me things and she had great things to say, too. So I, I didn't feel hurt. I just remember that moment where luckily for me, I wasn't in my 20s because I had 15 years in a counseling background. So I came into ministry with some more life experience. That might have really rocked you if you're 22 years me. old in your first sermon. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But she really gave me some great stuff. But I remember at the very end of it, she said, and I felt like your timing might have been a little bit off. Did you practice your sermon? Did you did you practice it and know where you would hit your key points and in, in as far as the timing you had? And I said, no. And she said, well, I always practice. So does John. And I'm thinking, if John and Patty Gray yes, and their yes. 60s After all these years. are still practicing their sermons and timing them, then I'm never going to overachieve that. I need to be doing that, too. Really good. So mm-hmm. I think personality, I think staying in a learner's posture, I think all of, I think humility, mm-hmm. all that stuff plays into, plays into how somebody receives, I think, that kind of feedback. Mm. I think what we forget about, what I wanted to talk about earlier in ministry, is that sometimes we're in a hard season. Mm-hmm. And everybody just thinks we're supposed to be stable, Mabel, because they don't think like maybe that person's, you know, struggling in their marriage. Maybe they they're a fresh parent or a seasoned parent, and it's a difficult stage of parenting. Maybe something's going on behind the scenes for them spiritually, where they're really sorting through some big doubts, yes. something big. And so when we're in ministry, we have to keep feeding others, but sometimes our soul is hurting. And we're really emotionally struggling. And so I think some of those things, too, are all different stages of life. And we have to be willing to say it's so important that we take care of ourselves because our health affects everybody underneath us. Well, I think, too, as an executive pastor, professionally, you're thinking, I need to do soul care with my pastors on staff. Mm -hmm. I need to make sure they're doing well. I need to make sure their marriages are doing well. I need to make sure you know, their families are doing well, and you're really in tune to that. But executive pastor, what you're saying, too, is like, whoa, who's who's looking after you, Amy? thousand percent. You know, who mm-hmm. is, who's asking these questions to you? Mm-hmm. Because everybody thinks that, oh, you do have it all put together, and yet you go through times of right. the dark night of the soul as well. Right. Because we're human. We do. Right. And that's me, but I think that's true of, let's just take my student ministries pastor, that's true for him, too, in his whole circle. Yes. I might be looking down at him, mm-hmm. but he's got his volunteers, all the parents of the kids mm-hmm. he's ministering to, all of the students, all the schools he's connecting with, coaches, all those people, they think he's got to have it together all the time. Even if he's got one person kind of tapping him on the shoulder, hey, are you okay? Mm-hmm. I think he still feels it from everybody else. I, I think you're right. So, yeah, I think I think that's, when I'm unhealthy, that's how I always notice it. As I start to think like, well, I'm trying, I'm trying to make my lead pastor better and stronger and more effective. Who's looking out for me? Yes. Like, and then as soon as I hear that inside myself, I'm like, uh oh, okay, what are you gonna do about this? Because you're starting to feel isolated, kind of self centered, and you're hurting. Something is hurting. Something's hurting. So what are you gonna go do about mm-hmm. that? Because um, you're feeling a little offended that no one's looking after me, then 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 that's a cue to your own soul. Right. Yeah. 
That's yeah. a really good indicator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. So feeling isolated, feeling insecure, hurt. hurt. Yeah. Hurt. Yeah. And kind of just almost looking around thinking like, who's who's on my team? Who's looking yes. out for me? Who, who am I number one priority for? And so I think that's that's important. So for me, like I am telling our staff all the time not to be afraid of counseling. I tell them, I say it from the stage, like when I'm preaching, how many times I've been in individual counseling, how many times my husband and I went to counseling. And then I say, and I'm a licensed counselor. Like, so if anybody's thinking out here that they shouldn't go because they have their own reasons, shouldn't I be able to say I'm the exception that I shouldn't have to go? But I always think the hardest part is when you're trying to decide, should I go or should I not go? And then who do I go to? The hardest part is like the pre- the pre-work. Mm-hmm. Once you go for women, I always say, it is like going to get a facial or going to get a massage. You're like, why did I not do this earlier? Mm-hmm. I'm literally paying someone to make my life better. Why did I not start this earlier? Um, but I'm always telling our staff, don't be afraid of counseling. And, you know, that is a safe place for you to really process. As, as long as it's Christian, it must be, for those of us in ministry, it absolutely must be a Christian counselor who's... Mm-hmm. Who's trained and counseling is different than getting advice from a friend. Yeah, yeah, you got to know different different spaces have different. You know, that's great too. Even advice from another pastor, right? Right. I mean, that's great too. Have have people in your circle that you can get real with, mentors, yeah. friends, colleagues. But counseling is a different ball game because you're not going to tell the real dark thoughts to a friend. Part of it might be because they might be talking about their weekend and telling you about the Michigan game that you don't even know about. You didn't watch a single bit of, <laughs> but they. You know what I mean? Like a friend doesn't have that duty to yes. take care of your yes. soul. And so your friend is might hear you say, I had a really hard week. And they might be like, yeah, me too, because Michigan lost. And you're like, mm. actually, no, I'm doubting God. Like different level. But your friend doesn't have that cue. They don't know that. Um, so counseling is a whole different ballgame. So there's a place for mentors. There's a place for authenticity and groups with people, coffee dates. And there's a place for counseling. Can, can we go a little bit deeper in this too, Amy, especially since this is your expertise? I think there has been certainly a segment of our of pastors who that's almost a, man, I, I don't want to go to counseling because, mm-hmm. man, that's because it's only for people who are really, really hurting. Mm-hmm. Or it just means, it means I didn't pray hard enough. Yeah. Or I didn't have big enough faith. I didn't, I didn't have enough faith. So I got to go back to you. I didn't having, trust God enough. You have more faith or pray harder first, and they're always going to keep first, pray mm-hmm. harder, more faith, and never going to let themselves. Mm-hmm. So the, they almost look at counseling as a bad word mm-hmm. okay, because it shows their vulnerabilities and their weaknesses. So help us to understand a little bit more this idea that it's actually good, it's okay, it's healthy. Mm-hmm. Even if you are a healthy person in a healthy church and a healthy marriage with a healthy family, that it's still good and positive and healthy to go see a counselor. Well, yeah. I mean, there's still always little sharp corners of my personality that are coming out, or there's rough edges mm. of me that are um, affecting my ministry. So even in good seasons, I think there's plenty for me to uh, be aware of and have some blind spots taken off and understand why I do the things I do. But I think we we have... I. I will just say what I really think it is. I think that's a pride issue. Mm -hmm. I think when pastors will say that counseling is not for them or counselors say that counseling is not for them, I think it's a pride issue. I think it's I can't allow myself to be that needy. I can't allow myself to admit that I might need some help 
And so I will just play this pretend game with myself that it's not that bad, not that bad, not that bad. And I'm just going to sink down further and further into Mm -hmm. some dark hole. I mean, there are hard things that happen. I worked with kids who were abused. And and I know this happens in youth ministry. Let's just talk about it. Sometimes they come to you first because mom and dad aren't Mm -hmm. going to pay for counseling for them. They might be in a hard situation where, you know, parents are divorced and they're dealing with their own situation and kids are dealing with something really difficult. And who do they talk to first? A lot of times it is their, it is their youth pastor. So sometimes we hear hard stuff in Mm -hmm. the church and we hear really difficult stuff and it rocks us. Um, and we can't shake it. And we're thinking about it all the time. Yeah. I remember when I was working with kids who were um, getting abused, it was right around the time that then my husband and I had our first kid. And I had worked eight hours a day times, you know, let's say 50, hour, 50 weeks a year with kids who had been abused and neglected. Because my first like three or four years, I worked with kids out of the foster care system. And... Then I'm having my first baby, and I remember thinking, can I, can I really trust my husband? Mm-hmm. And that was my sign, like, I need to go to counseling. Because yeah, I'm like, right. I, I love my husband. He's a good guy. I couldn't quit thinking about it because I'm all the time thinking, well. You've seen abused kids your entire career. This has been your professional and it, life. Yeah, and, they're all, and the people are always surprised. They're sitting in my office, and they're surprised that this happened. They didn't it's someone know. that they know. Some, yeah. So I knew when it was bleeding into my marriage and it was bleeding into my regular home life, I was like, whoa. I've got to go take care of this. I had other situations where I was having nightmares about things that hap- that I knew was happening in a kid's life that I couldn't stop. And I'm afraid it's happening for them right now while I'm at home in my safe home and I'm mm-hmm. worried about a kid. I've had somebody at our church who had was in a shooting uh, tragedy and was in a coma for like two months. And I'm visiting her in the hospital multiple times and I'm having nightmares afterwards like the, it affects you as a person too so you go and do the ministry excuse me well because you want to care for people yeah. and you want to show them empathy and so you take on some of that weight that they're feeling and and and, right. and that they are experiencing and now you are experiencing this yeah because we want to feel their pain we want to as a pastor as a shepherd right we want to really show this empathy i've yeah. heard it said one time see what you think about this that that Without counseling, the analogy is like you're in a riptide and you just keep on swimming straight against the current and you can't, it just keeps on pulling you out. Mm -hmm. Instead of going the 90 degree angle. Yeah, Yeah. or even allowing it to take you, the riptide to take you out. and bring you back in eventually. But if you don't know how to do that. And you know when it's the big stuff. Like when when I'm having nightmares and when I'm questioning my own husband, like I knew, whoa, those are big signs. But sometimes the signs are more subtle and they're smaller and you don't notice them. I know for me, I had to really, I had to really challenge. There was a point in my early years of my counseling career, and I think it could easily happen in ministry, where I thought, is God actually as good as I've always thought he was? Mm -hmm. Because there are kids that have had absolutely horrible things happen to them. And I have no answer for that. And I was in my early 20s. Mm. And what I what I know now. Uh, doubting the goodness of God. Oh, totally. Because you're seeing all the bad. And you're seeing all the ugly. Mm-hmm. And where is the good? And I call it my dark ages because I had probably six to nine months where everything on the outside looked normal. I'm going to church. I'm going to my Bible study. I'm starting to make excuses. We didn't have any kids yet. 
I'm 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 starting to make excuses like, oh, let's sleep in. And we didn't even have online church then, but I still would make an excuse, yeah. you know. And I'm starting to feel kind of dry inside. I don't want to admit to anybody that I'm really asking, how could God be so good and all this stuff happen? But I think what I know now that I didn't know then is I was really only seeing a part of the story. My work with those kids was just a part of their story. And so I had had this women's retreat. Well, actually, back it up. I had a bad car accident, and I came out of that accident mad at God, really mad. Mm-hmm. So I'm in these dark ages. I have an accident. My car flips, black ice, whole thing's bad. I get knocked out. I wake up, and I'm immediately mad. Wow. I remember my first thought was, well, if no one else is calling the ambulance for me, I'll call it for myself. <laughs> And the people that had stopped on the side of the road had already called the ambulance. But my first thought was anger. And then I came out of that angry at God that he had that much control over my life. And so fast forward, I get invited to a women's retreat. My friend bails out. She's sick. She doesn't go. I go alone to this women's retreat. And God and I settled a lot Mm -hmm. at that women's retreat. But I remember sitting with my Bible in my hand. I was probably supposed to be doing some journaling exercise or something. But I just sat there. And this Bible is closed on my lap, in my hand. And I remember thinking, what's the whole point of this book anyway, in my anger? And I sat there, and now I think that was the Holy Spirit. And I answered, and I thought, well, in my words, in that moment, it's a collection of examples of how God is in the business of rescuing people and redeeming them. He rescues them sometimes from the things they do themselves, mm-hmm. but other times from the things other people have done to them. And that's what this book's about, I guess. And it was like in an instant, God said to me, and am I still in that business of rescuing and redeeming people? And Amy, what if you only get to see this much of their life? Will you believe that for the rest of their life, I will still be in the business of offering them a path of rescue and redemption? And I think as youth pastors, as counselors, whatever, we only see a season of somebody's life. And it can really wreck us. And we have mm-hmm. to have longevity. But I had, I'd only done counseling for a few years. I hadn't seen the end of anybody's story yet. I didn't have anybody sitting across the table telling you how your words impacted them. I didn't have any of that yet. All I had was the painful parts of the story. I had no endings yet. This is what you're that's talking po- about powerful. at the beginning of the podcast, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is really powerful because so good. it's it's uh, in the dark night of your soul, it's meeting Jesus mm-hmm. and Jesus responding to you and saying, there's a there's a greater story here. Right. And I am using you. And and, and it's about growing your faith and trust in him that mm-hmm. he is a good God mm-hmm. and he is going to use you to impact the lives of these folks. Mm-hmm. And he it, won't be stopped. So just because my faith, time with him might be stopped. He won't be stopped. That's so good. We've been saying this over and over, like in the podcast. So people are used to hearing this because I think I've said it three times, but we're, we're planting trees that we might never see grow. Never see. Right. Never that's see. That's part of it, that God will not be stopped. Mm-hmm. God wins. Mm-hmm. Everything. Right. Ultimately, everything he wins. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. huge. And man. it was a surrender issue for me. It was a trust issue. Yeah. It was a new stage of surrender and trust for me to say, okay, God, I'll do what you've called me to do for the season that I get to do it with, with these people. And I'll trust that you don't stop when I'm done. You, you know, know, with your kid, oh, can I just say, throw yeah. this in there with your kids? Mm-hmm. I remember getting a text from you that uh, I was at a camp. Yeah. 
And I didn't know this until I got the text from you. Mm-hmm. And it was a pig. Well, you tell that story. I think I just said, like, you are now, like, my kids are at this camp, and you're now ministering to my kids in the same way that you ministered to me. And sent you a picture because you didn't even know yeah, it was, who I, they were yet, right? They were down. We were kind of all at the, the group was at the front. Oh, and was yeah. making commitments. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's like on the back of this girl's shirt said Beagle. Yeah. And I, I, I didn't know. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of kids up there, and and wow. Yeah. You kids. sent me that picture. I didn't have that one. I think I just sent you their faces. Like, here they are. Go find them. Oh, wow. Yeah, and you sent me that one later. I don't know where I even got it, but the point is, is like, it, it goes beyond the people that we're ministering to. It, it's mm-hmm. with our own family. Right. And it's, it's and you a, sometimes get to see that story, but you don't in your 20s. No, yeah, you don't. When you're Early young. On, and, and this is yeah. really a great message for our audience, too, yes. because a lot of the pastors that listen to this are fairly early on in their ministry. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they're wondering, am I making a difference? They walk mm-hmm. home from or they drive home from a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning or a Sunday night meeting with their students or whoever they're responsible for, mm-hmm. or a discipleship group, a Bible study. And they're wondering, did mm-hmm. did did I make any difference today? Mm-hmm. Because I felt like I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always the other thing I always say about Charlie and his impact on me, yeah. which he probably never knew this. It's a great example from what you're saying, is that I was, in, I was I was insecure, and hiding. I was a five foot ten girl trying to hide behind my five foot two best friend um, in life. She had the confidence. She had the you know the bigger kind of personality. And I was insecure. And somewhere along the line, he started telling me I was a leader. I was not a leader when he told me I was a leader. I know for a fact. It's like speaking prophecy over you. For real. I think he could see I was going to be a leader, but I wasn't yet. And he said it enough times that I believed it and started living it. Wow. I think we do need to speak truth into people's lives before they see it themselves, believe it themselves, and we're just speaking that goodness of God and that and God's word and his promises and his truth right. over people's lives. It's so right. good. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. thanks for coming. Yeah. yeah thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for sharing your dark night so of your good. soul mm-hmm. because that's the, but this podcast is about some of this stuff, but how God brings the light of the day in the morning mm-hmm. and helps us to see that he is good. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Boom. Boom. And boom. We would like to thank the School of Theology and Ministry at Indiana Western University for allowing us to use their podcast studio and their facilities. I also want to thank the Called Collective for producing all of our podcasts. The Called Collective seeks to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. To find out more information, visit thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at the Called Collective. Once again, thank you for listening to a couple of old guys. Talking about ministry principles, we have over 70 years of ministry experience, and we'll see you next week.